0: Good morning, DBC. It is great to be with you guys one more time. I'm missing you guys like crazy, as I've been saying every single week. But again, it's good to see you even if it's just online. And I am thankful that you decided to tune in with us today. If you're one of our guests today, I just want to say thank you for joining in. And I uh, just want to let you know again, as I've said for the past few weeks as well, uh, this is a safe place. We would love to a chance to get to meet you Uh, If you have any questions, any concerns about the faith, we would consider it a joy and a privilege to be able to go down uh, this faith journey with you. And so with that, there's a couple ways that you can connect with us online and I hope that you do do so. There's a question mark on the, uh, on the chat room on your website right there. You can click on that at any time, and you'll be immediately connected with one of our ministers. They'd love to answer any questions that you may be having today. There's also a prayer button at the bottom of your screen. We'd love to know specifically how we can pray for you and your family uh, during this season that you're at home and, and how you're being impacted by the shut-in and by the virus. And so uh, we'd love to hear from you there. Feel free to reach out to us right there. Um, in addition, there's also another button on your screen that says, I've decided to give my life to Jesus. And I don't want to take for granted that God may be wooing you into relationship with him right now. It may be the very reason you decided to tune in today That you decided you were just very, very curious and that God may have a word for you today. And if at any time during the message uh, or after the message, as you've decided that this is the day that I'm going to say yes to Jesus and I'm going to give my life to him, we want to hear from you. So please, 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 you <laughs> Push that button. We'd love to connect, and we'd love to help you take these next steps of faith here together. But again, whatever it may be, we are glad that you're here, and I can't wait to get into the Word with you again today. This morning, I want to keep going with where we began at Easter, talking about some of the implications of the resurrected Jesus Christ, specifically the freedom that he now brings because he did walk out of the tomb alive, right? And so that's what I want to look into today. Uh, Paul's going to say in Galatians chapter 5 that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free right? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so how do you and I walk in that freedom today in this season of restriction? that's what I want to be getting at a little bit today. I will say one of the things I have been enjoying in all this time at home alone uh, is that the meme game online has gotten really, really strong. I don't know if you guys have enjoyed this all at, at all or not, but, but the, the memes are pretty incredible. One of my buddies of mine posted, posted this one. This is of his daughter uh, a few weeks ago. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, anyway, it kind of tells the story of what a lot of us are feeling right now. Uh, there's another one right here. I love this one that I want to show you too. But um, anyway, I was dying laughing at some of these Things because I think it describes how a lot of us are feeling right now being shut in at home. Right? I mean, on Monday was, was my birthday. Like, who wants to celebrate their birthday? I was 21, by the way. Uh, but anyway, I, I celebrating my birthday. And, like, who wants to celebrate their birthday in a quarantine when you can't hang out with friends? You can't go out on a date with your wife? You can't do things out there that you would typically do for a birthday or something like that? And I will say, we had a great time at home grilling steaks and things like that. But I think we can all agree, church, like, there's something inside all of us belongs to be free. And so how do you and I walk in this freedom? How do we experience this freedom right now in this season of restriction that we're in? I think that's exactly what our passage is going to help us with today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Acts chapter 13, and we're going to pick it up today in verses 38 through 42. Uh, If you didn't bring it with you, no problem. We're going to be putting some of these passages up on the screen, so it should be easy for you to follow along with us. Uh, But again, if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, I think it's important to understand that the book picks up immediately after the resurrection. And it's going to essentially tell the story of everything that took place because Jesus walked out of the tomb alive. That's what the whole thing's about. And it's going to show us everything that's now possible for us because Jesus is actually alive. And so a great way to think about this book is essentially, we're talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit, working through the acts of the early apostles and through the acts of the early church to bring the gospel from Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And so that's essentially what the entire thing is about. And so when you read Acts, there's a lot of first things that are taking place in this book. It, right, it's the first time that believers are sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read all about that. It's the first time that missionaries are sent out and they're actually out there planting churches. And it's the first time people are gathering together with what we know now as the early church. And so that's the context for chapter 13. This is Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. They come into this place called Pisidian Antioch. And Paul has gone into this Jewish synagogue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's telling these Jewish people that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the one that the prophets prophesied about. He is the one that God has promised their forefathers from long ago. And so we get into verse 38, and he's wrapping up a sermon about Jesus and the gospel. And he essentially says this He says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things, a justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And so he says, "Take care that what the prophets have said to you uh, have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, just wonder and perish. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you." And then I love the re- response here in verse 42. It says that as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them again on the next Sabbath. Like, I, can I just be really, really honest? Like, like this, is, this is my dream as a pastor. Like, did you finish preaching? And then all of a sudden, like, people are yelling encore. There's a standing ovation. And they're like, we need you to come back and to re-preach that same message the very next week. I mean, church, that's exactly what's taking place in this text. I mean, they are begging him to come back and to keep talking about this freedom in the life, death, and resurrection that they've been hearing about. And what's ironic about this whole thing, is, like, this is a very religious people. Like, keep in mind, Paul's met them in a Jewish synagogue on Sabbath. Like, they know the law. They know all about the the sacrificial system. They know the right things to do. They know what to do. They know what not to do. They know religion really, really well. Yet they're hearing this freedom that's available to them in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And their ears are piqued and their curiosity is stirred because they're realizing that there's a way that you can do religion that does not actually set you free. And so what I find fascinating about this context is like, that about 2,000 years later, church, like, people are still saying the exact same thing. I was reading an article a little while ago that was talking about how stifling religion is and how it's typically the last place you want to go if you ever want to be set free, if you want to experience freedom. I mean, one guy wrote in about it and he told a story like this, but he essentially said, like, religion is suffocating to me. And he says, the older I get, the more stifling I find religion. And he explains, I was raised in the church. I drifted away in my later years, came back in my mid-twenties. And for the next decade, I was on fire for God. I even left my high-paying job in order to work in the media department in the contemporary church. But then he goes on and he says, the pastors in that church would only teach from the King James Version of the Bible. Because apparently all other versions were perversions of the truth, he says. And then he says, that was just the beginning of the whole thing. Women were inferior to men. Having an alcoholic drink was absolutely forbidden. Questioning the pastor's wisdom on anything was almost the unforgivable sin. And then taking medication for anxiety or depression, it was unthinkable because you only need to be high on the Holy Spirit, he says. Suffice it to say, I stayed for about two years on that staff before I left the church completely. And he says, now I question everything that I used to believe about God, the church, and religion, and I'm fine staying away because I'm enjoying my newfound freedom." I mean, church, we got to understand, like, Barna's telling us today that, that, that a desire for freedom is the third most stated reason for people walking away from the faith today. I was talking with an old acquaintance of mine, and this was one of the main things that was keeping him away from the faith. But he's like, I love my freedom. Like, there's no freedom in religion. There's no freedom in following God and doing the things that he tells you to do. And I loved his question to me. He said this. He goes, here's my question that I don't understand. Why in the world would a God create you one way and the command that you live a complete opposite of how he created you? He goes, that's the thing I don't understand. Like, where in the world is the freedom in that? Like, where's the joy in that kind of a life? And so, church, what I want you to see is, like, 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 everything that's taking place here, like, it's not just a first century problem. These are questions that you and I are still asking today. Like, we're wondering, like, where in the world is the freedom in following God? Where in the world is the freedom in this law and being obedient to someone other than yourself? Church, like, like that's what we're all wondering. Like, And then we're seeing that there is a way that you can do religion that does not actually set you free. And so we need to talk a little bit about this freedom that Jesus came to bring. The first thing we got to understand here is like the, like the freedom that we crave, it is not just about the absence of restriction. I mean, and the reason, church, we need to make a point of this is because like that's how freedom's talked about a lot today. It's the famous Woody Allen quote when he simply said, uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. And if you deny what the heart wants, then you're betraying your heart and you're never going to be happy. I mean, isn't that how a lot of us think about freedom? I mean, think about when you turn 16 or or when you, were, when you were thinking about getting your first car for the first time? I mean, I'm never gonna forget when I held those keys for the first time, I remember thinking to myself, finally, I'm free. I can do what I want when I went, go wherever I want. I, finally, I'm free, and I had that thought. It was the same thing when I get dropped off for college. You move into a, a house for the first time with your friends, and you're thinking, "Like, finally, I'm free to shower when I want or not shower when I want. If I wanna eat Totino's pizza for every single meal of my, high, my college career, I'm gonna eat Totino's pizza for every meal of my life. But like, that, that's how we think about freedom in terms of the absence of restriction. Karl Marx is gonna put it like this. He's gonna say, man is only free if he owes his existence to himself. In other words, like you will not be free until you come out from under the authority of God and answer only to the God of yourself. And church, here it is. It sounds fantastic what we're saying today. And it sounds great when you hear it with some, from some of these things, but we've got to understand that even if you choose to elevate yourself above all other things, you're still never gonna be fully free. I mean, even socially, think about it like this. You cannot do 80 and a 40 without getting a ticket. Why? Because even though we live in the land of the free, the home of the brave, like you and I, like, we live under the authority of a law, which most of us would agree is for our common good. And even if, even if you make the decision, hey, I'm gonna forsake the law, I'm gonna to move to the mountains, I'm gonna go do my own thing, I'm gonna go off the grid, Like you still can't escape the laws of nature. We're talking about things like weather and hunger and thirst and sleep and animals in the wild that want to eat you when you're trying to eat them and everything that it takes to actually survive in such an environment. Church, like those aren't laws you and I are ever going to be able to escape. And so spiritually speaking, I love how Peter talks about this. He explains it like this. He's talking about some false teachers that have infiltrated the church. He's going to say he's going to say they've promised the people their freedom. In other words, these teachers are coming in, and they know the felt need is freedom. They know that people want freedom, and they come into this church gathering, and they're saying, hey, I, I, I'm promising you freedom over here. And he says, meanwhile, the irony is that these teachers, they're slaves of depravity. And the reason that they're slaves of depravity is because like, people are slaves to whatever it is, the thing, whatever it is that's mastered them. In other words, church, like, there's no such thing as absolute total and complete independence, total and complete freedom, because all of us are mastered by something. There's a great example of this in Rocky chapter one, which I think is one of the greatest series, movie series of all time. Absolutely. Rocky chapter four is the best, uh, the one with the Russian. But if you need some Netflix movies to watch, I highly recommend catching up with the old Rocky flicks right there. But there's a scene in Rocky one that I loved and it's taking place shortly before he goes and he fights Apollo for the very first time. So Rocky's the underdog. Nobody knows about him yet. Apollo Creed is the champ. He's the one that everybody's expecting is going to dominate him and kill him. And so I think this is probably the night before the fight. He's out on a date with Adrian. They're at this ice skating rink. Adrian's able to pick up on the fact that, you know, Rocky's not really feeling it tonight. There's a lot of anxiety. It's the night before the fight. And there's, he's got a lot on his mind. And so she looks over at Rocky and she simply asks him this question. She's like, Rocky, like, why do you feel like you have to fight Apollo? Apollo. Everybody's saying that he's going to kill you. Like, why do you feel like you have to fight Apollo? And if you remember this from the scene, like Rocky kicks it around for a little while and he thinks about it. And finally he just mumbles in the Rocky voice and everything He just simply goes, I have to know if I can go 15 rounds with this man. If I can do 15 rounds with the champ, then I'll know that I'm not a bum. And the reason that I love that scene right there is because like everyone's got something that is like those 15 rounds. It's the thing that tells you this is what it takes to not be a bum. And what he's saying right here is whatever that thing may be, that's the thing that's mastering you. That's the thing that's controlling you. And for a lot of us, like we may be just like Rocky, where where we need to be really, really good at whatever it is that we do. We need to be better than our coworkers. We need to be better than the people online and through social media. We need to be really good. We need to have the praise and the affection of other people, their applause, their awards, their paychecks, and things like that. That's what I need so that I'll know that I'm not actually a bum. And what he's saying right here is like, if that's what it is, like, that's the thing that's actually got control in your life. That's the thing that's driving you every single day. For a lot of us, it's this need to be loved by other people, whether that's online or whether it's in real life. It's the thing that drives you to do, to dress the way that you dress, to promote yourself the way that you promote yourself online, right? To jump from one relationship to another and never to be able to find a person of substance and stuff like that because you have this insatiable need to always be loved by other people. And that's the thing that masters you and controls you. For some, it's this obsessive need to always be busy and to always be doing something because if you feel like, if I'm not doing something, then who am I? I'm just this bum And for some of us, it's this ability to just do what I want. I need to be totally and completely free as I define freedom. I need to be completely independent. I need to be able to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want, however I want at any given time. And what Peter's saying here is like, whatever your thing may be, it has power over you. You're not totally and completely free. And so if that's the case, I've got to agree with Bob Dylan when he wrote in this song, like, you're going to have to serve somebody. I don't know if you remember this song from recent, but he writes this. He says, you might be a rock and roll addict prancing around on the stage. You might have drugs at your command and women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor. They may call you chief, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And I think we can all agree, like if Bob Dylan and Jesus are agreeing on anything, it must be true, right? Right? But a church, like, that's the question that's on the table. Church, like, who are you going to serve? You're going to have to serve somebody. Like, who are you going to serve? Are you really going to serve yourself, this person with limited knowledge, limited understanding, limited experience, limited perspective in life? Or are you actually going to bow down before the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the one who was there in the very beginning, speaking it all into existence, the one who numbered the very hairs on your head and created good works for you to go and do? Which one are you going to serve? And so that's the question that's here in this text. And so Paul continues in this thing, and, and what I want you to see right here is that he's just not concerned about restriction. Like that's, that's not what he's thinking about. He's not concerned about the conservative sexual ethic from the Sermon on the Mount or anything like that. He's not, conserva- he's not concerned about the restrictive nature of generosity and how that plays out for rich people or for poor people. He's not concerned about that. He's not concerned about the details of what it actually looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how to define that term. Like he's not, he's not concerned when Jesus says, if any of you want to follow me, you're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to need to take up your cross and you're going to need to follow me. Like he's just not concerned with these things. He's just following Jesus. And he's not concerned because he, he, he knows that this freedom that he longs for is not really just, a, it's not a matter of restriction. It's a matter of design. We're going to see that in verse 39. He's going to say, through Jesus everyone who believes is free from all things, from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. In other words, like the law wasn't able to do what you wanted it to do. It wasn't, it wasn't able to satisfy you like you thought it was going to satisfy you. And it's not because you didn't want it to satisfy you. It's not because you didn't try to have the law or religious practice satisfy you in certain ways. It's simply because the law was never designed to satisfy you in those ways. It was never designed to do the things that you wanted it to do. Church, I think we understand, like, freedom's always been a matter of design. It's always been a matter of design. We've talked about it so many times in the past. I love the way Tim Keller talks about it, but he says, catching a fish and letting him roam in the woods isn't exactly the same thing as setting it free, is it? No. Like, freedom's always been a matter of design. Catching a fish and setting him free in the woods is killing the fish, right? A fish is most free when he's swimming in the water where he was designed to flourish. Church, like, we understand this. Like, freedom's always been a matter of design, (laughs) This past week, I found a bunch of old high school photos that I was thumbing through, and I was taking a look at these things, and I was thinking to myself, wow, wouldn't it be fantastic to have the metabolism of my high school days? You guys remember this? I don't know if you ever look back at some of your old pictures, and you think to yourself, man, you remember those awesome days when I could pound an entire pizza, and I could eat a fast food like every single day, and I could still have abs? right? Like that, that, that was incredible. You try that today and I'm going to die in like 30 minutes, right? Like it's not, it's a matter of design. My body was not designed for that kind of intake for 41 years of my life. I can't keep going down that way and expect to survive very long. Like that's a matter of design church. And it's exactly what Paul's saying right here. Like whatever your 15 rounds may be, whatever that thing is that has true mastery and control in your life, like that can't actually set you free. A busy schedule will not be able to set you free. A lazy schedule will not be able to set you free. Awards and paychecks and accolades and praise from other people and all these other things, beauty and and, and praise, like none of these things can set you free. The only thing that can set you free is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says, like not even religion, church, like not even religion, not even obedience to a moral code, like not even that is able to fully set you free. Good things Things that God gave the nation of Israel in order to worship him rightly, in order to worship him well. Things to do in obedience to him. Not even those things in and of themselves are able to fully set you free. Like David's going to sing about the law in the Psalms. He's going to say, oh, how I love your law. Like I meditate on your law day and night. I love your law. In other words, church, like the law is beautiful and the law is good. The only problem is church, like it still can't set you free from the law of sin and death. It's not what it was designed to do. I mean, Deuteronomy is going to say, okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the law can do that, right? He's going to say, like, if you're careful to observe all the law, meaning everything that God has commanded you, not just the Ten Commandments, but like everything God has ever said for every person to always do, internally and externally, if you're able to observe the law constantly for the entirety of your life, from beginning to end, then you might have the righteousness that you've set out to have. But unless you can be perfect, church, like, all it's going to do is remind you that you're not. That's the weightiness of the law. I mean, it functions like an X-ray, like an X-ray, like like it can tell you if something's broken inside, but it can't do anything to fix the problem. Like that's how the law works. Like it can tell you something's broken inside of you, but it can't do anything to fix the problem. All it can do is suggest to you that you probably need to go see a doctor. And the church, like that's the point of the law, that will drive you to your knees. And help you see the disparity between where you are in obedience to God and where He is sitting holy on the throne, and the difference between where you are and where He is, and it'll drive you to your knees so you cry out to Him and you ask Him to come and to set you free. Like that is the design of the law. And so, yeah, church, like religion, it can be heavy. I mean, it's not shocking that people are burned out by religion. I'm not shocked that people are burned out by law and obedience and do this and don't do that. If that's all you have. Like, I don't know how you survive that kind of a thing. Like, where do you go apart from grace? Where do you go apart from Jesus in this thing? Like, how do you survive this thing if you're only staring at an x-ray and, and there are no doctors around? Like, how do you survive this whole thing? Like, there's, there's nothing but guilt and shame and fear at the most basic parts of religious practice right there. And it's exactly where these people are. Like for years they've been staring at this x-ray going like like church like god is this really it? Is this all that we have? Rules and laws, do this, don't do this, sacrifice this, be clean this, wash this, traditions and sacrifices. Like god, I've been staring at this thing forever and I'm still not fixed inside. Yeah, so you better believe, church. Yes, they're begging Paul, come back and tell us about that freedom that's in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ again. I'm dying for this freedom because I'm not experiencing it in the religion that I've been practicing. I mean, church. I'll never forget this uh, gathering. I, was, I told you about the Rwanda trip back in 2005. Found myself preaching in this r- little rural church out in Rwanda, and um, I'm not kidding. I was just out there preaching through this translator, very, very simple gospel presentation. And I get to the end of this presentation, I'm just wrapping it up and talking about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, the number of ways that he set you free from from the penalty of your sin, from the power of your sin presently, from the fear of death and all these different kinds of things. And in the middle of this presentation, there's a man in the back, he just jumps up to his feet and he just starts screaming stuff. And I don't know what he's talking about, but immediately he jumps into the aisle of the church and he just starts dancing like you wouldn't believe. And then there's a second guy, and he comes up, and he starts screaming different things. And he jumps up, and he starts dancing all around. And I turn to the interpreter, and I'm like, what did I say? What, I don't know what happened right here. I don't know what's going on. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. They're happy. They're happy. And one by one, church, like, people started jumping up, and they started celebrating. And the ladies grabbed these drums, and they start beating them. They start running around the church just worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, like, what else are you going to do when you understand the freedom that he came to bring? Like What else are you going to do, church, Like when when you realize that through him, the forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed, and that through him, you could be freed from the penalty and from the power and from the ongoing shame of your sin today? I mean, Hebrews is going to put it like this. Hebrews is going to say, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. In other words, because we are flesh and blood, God sent his son Jesus to also do the same so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and then free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Church, did you just hear what he just said? He said, you and I could be freed from the fear of death today. In other words, like, you can think about the future, and you can near the end of your days, but it doesn't have to keep you awake at night. Like you can mourn the loss of someone that you love, but you don't have to be crushed forever. That's what he's talking about. Like it's the funeral that you go to and people are mourning, but they're also singing and praising God at the exact same time. Like they're crying, but they're not crushed with absolute despair. And people are singing and they're saying things like, hey, we'll see you later, buddy, but they're not saying goodbye. That's what we're talking about right here, Church. Like it's Paul when he says, I'm convinced that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that is still to to come. Like who in the world talks about suffering like that, church? How do you talk about suffering unless you know how the whole thing's gonna end? How in the world do you talk about about jail and, and shipwreck and and, and all the different horrific things that took place in Paul's life? How do you talk about those things and endure those things with a smile on your face and that you're fully confident that things are going to work out in the very end and that God is taking care of that thing? Like, church, I'm telling you, like, everything changes when you know how the story ends. Like, where's the fear of rejection in Paul's life? This tremendous evangelist. Why isn't he afraid? Some of you have been praying for boldness right now, and you're praying, God, make me bold. You want to know how to be bold? Like come to Jesus, let him set you free of the fear of death, meditate on how the entire thing ends and you will be bold because you will understand how important these days are that he's given us right now. Some of us have been praying for that thing and you need to be set free and and just meditate upon the end and then you'll have the same perspective as Paul where these sufferings of this present time, like they're not worthy to be compared to the glories that are still to come. Church, who thinks like that? I'll tell you who thinks like that. It's someone who's been freed by the blood of Jesus Christ and has this eternal perspective that just penetrates everything that they say and do. And the beauty of the gospel, church, is like that's it doesn't end right there. Paul's going to say that in Romans chapter eight, he's going to say, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Church, like that, you know what he's saying right there? He's saying that you and I could be totally and completely set free from the ongoing guilt and shame of our sin. Church, you know how valuable it is to be set free and to understand how forgiven you are in Christ, that everything that you've done past, present, and future has already been taken care of by him, that his sacrifice really was sufficient once and for all, to be able to walk through this life and to be able to understand, yes, conviction of sin, momentary guilt, but not this ongoing condemnation of sin, which leads into shame and convinces you that you are somebody that you're absolutely not. Like that's what he's taking care of for you. There's, con- there, there, there's conviction of sin, yet there's not this ongoing shame. And that's what he's saying right here, right now, in Jesus, because of his shed blood, you could be set free from the ongoing guilt and shame of sin. And church, quite honestly, some of us are there right now. Like you're in the middle of this place and you are in this hiding place right now because you feel like you're too dirty or the things that took place last night, or the things that took place in college, or whatever it may be, and you're, you're, you're looking at your passion, you're kind of going, hey, like there's no way I have any right in myself to be able to come before a holy God. And you're wearing this blanket of guilt and shame, and it is keeping you from having this life-giving, liberating relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the while, if you would come to him, you would understand that there is no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has already set you free from the law of sin and death. And terms of reality is like some of us, like maybe that may not be your problem. Your issue may be addiction right now, this habit or this sin pattern that you've been confessing to Jesus over and over again. And you've been saying, Father, like this is the last time. And for some of us, like that may be it. And the beauty of being freed from all things also includes the all controlling power of sin today, which does not mean that you and I will be set free from sin totally and completely, that we'll never ever sin again. But it simply means that as you and I grow in our love and our affection for the Lord Jesus Christ, and as we grow in our dependence and in surrender to the Holy Spirit, He's going to begin to produce his life inside of us. He's going to set us free from the ongoing addictive nature of sin. He's going to set us free from those things. And he's going to begin to produce his life in us, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. It's going to replace and overwhelm the fear and the bondage and the gossip and the malice and the things that are killing us from the inside out. And here's the reality, church. You may not even, you may not always be aware of how He's changing you. But at some point in the future, when you've been clearly wronged by someone that you know, instead of blowing up like you typically do, you're going to respond in love. Why? Because Jesus has set you free. Church, that's how it works. You're going to respond in love because Jesus has set you free. And when you're frustrated at home. All of a sudden, you're going to be able to pull from this well of patience and kindness that you may not have ever had before, and you may not be aware of it, but when you typically would have responded with anger and malice, you're going to respond in patience and kindness because Jesus has set you free, and the Holy Spirit's taking control of your life, and he's liberating you more and more every single day from the inside out, and if you get the diagnosis that you were always afraid of, like you're going to notice that he's going to give you a peace which surpasses all understanding. And when you're battling that addiction that you've never been able to get control of, you're gonna notice that at some point in the future, he's gonna step in and he's gonna give you the power and the self-control that you need to finally, totally, and completely be set free. Church, like that's what it means that Jesus has come and he's freed you from all things. He doesn't just come and give you a brand new religion. He doesn't just come and give you a brand new set of rules and tell you this is what you got to go, do. Go this way, go that way. It doesn't just come with rules and restrictions. He frees you from the inside out by giving you his presence, not, uh, because begrudging obedience was just never, ever, ever part of the design. Church, I'll, I'll never forget. Um, I was probably about nine years old when I started playing baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan to this day. I loved it. play played all the way through high school. Probably could have gone pro if it weren't for the politics, but you know how that works out. So uh, Anyway, huge baseball fan. But when I first started playing baseball when I was nine years old, I mean, I'll tell you this just quite honestly, I hated the sport. Never really played it before. Quite honestly, I was terrible at it. I'll never forget the entire first season that I played. Um, I struck out every single at bat that I got up there. They, they put, hit me last in the lineup. I was the kid that shouldn't have been on the team. And um, i not kidding. You, every single at bat I struck out. I came back crying after pretty much every bat. I was so... Uh, deflated all the time. I remember getting up there and actually praying, Lord, let this guy hit me with this 45-mile-per-hour fastball just so I can get on base. Like, that's how bad it was. But Dad wouldn't let me quit because Armstrongs don't quit. We continue with the things that we committed to, and so we persisted throughout the rest of the season. Um, That summer, quite honestly speaking, like, everything changed for me. Dad took me to this Astros game, and, and that's the day that I got to meet the man. I got to meet the myth, the legend, my favorite, Nolan Ryan wasn't a huge sports fan at that time. I knew about Nolan Ryan because he threw over 100 miles per hour. He was the ace for the Astros at the time, and, and I absolutely loved him. I remember it was one of these days where you get to invite the kids, and they get to come down on the field, run the bases, and go have some fun. The players will come out, interact with the students, and um, teach them a few tips. Well, Nolan Ryan came out there, and he's teaching us how to throw this fastball. And he's teaching us how to grip the baseball and how to use our legs and do this, that, and the other. And I remember just looking at him, just like eyes wide open, just like amazed that Nolan Ryan was standing right there. Church, I I fell in love with baseball that day. And so I come back that next season, and I'm not kidding you, church, like, like, uh, like everything changed for me that next season. All of a sudden, I was no longer terrible. I was actually really, really good. Like everything changed for me that day. I'd come back and, and it just clicked and all of a sudden I could hit a baseball and I could field and I can throw and like I was really, really good and I kept going all the way through high school. But the reality, church, is that like no one had to force me to practice ever again because I already loved the game. I mean, I wore my dad out in the backyard. We were playing catch all the time. I mean, we're doing grounders and we're doing batting practice. We're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing it all the time. But here it is, church, like every single bit of it began the day that I met that man. It changed everything, church. It changed everything. You want to know why some of us are still chasing after freedom today? It's because the truth is you've never met the man. So Paul comes in right here and he says, I want you to meet this man. And his name is Jesus. And he's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's fully God and he's fully man. And through him, the forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed. And through him... You can be freed from all things. And the reality, church, is like some of us, you have at some point in time, you have met the man, but the reality is it's been a long time since you've spent any time together. And what he's saying to you today, the, the invitation that's on the table for you today is to take this time when you're home alone, and there's not a whole lot of extracurricular activities that are going on and to come into him, and to rest in him, and to receive from him the King of kings, the Lord of lords, this man, and to receive from him, and let him set you free in ways that you've never been set free, to come into him and say, God, I've always known about this freedom, I've heard about this freedom, I've seen other people talk about this freedom, but I had no idea that this freedom that I've heard about, it had to do with me. And to come into him and say, Father, I need you, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and would you set me free today from the bondage of my addiction, from the coldness of my heart? I happen to be that religious person right now that that does not get why people worship. I don't get the hand raising. I don't understand why people talk about loving Jesus and things like that. Would you come and would you set me free from my cold and hardened heart so that I could be free to love you, to honor you, and to glorify you? And to say, Father, would you come and set me free from, my, from the idolatry that I live in, this idol that I have to be loved by other people always and to live for them, or to be busy all the time thinking that somehow that's gonna make me good enough to be loved, or to come and to set me free. And for you, the invitation that's on the table is to simply come to the man today and let him set you free. Church, there's hope. There's hope. Like I know that we're living in this time of restriction, but church, there is absolutely, positively freedom for you to walk in today. But here it is, church. It all comes when you surrender to him. It's not through religion. It's not through independence. It's not through walking and running your own way. It's not by making your own rules. It only comes when you come totally and completely in surrender to him. So church, I want to invite you to come and pray with me. And Father, I do pray that we would be a church that experiences your freedom today. Father, we recognize there's a way to do religion that doesn't set people free. And God, we don't want that here at DBC. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be dead. I don't want to be blind to the things that are going on around us. Father, I pray that you would come and do a work in me, in our church body, in the men and women and children that are listening to this message right now. Father, would you come through the screen? Would you meet them where they are, Father? And I pray that you would set them free, For the person that's come in today and and they're bound up in this fear of death, Father, I pray that you would set them free, that you would give them a a vision of the future. Father, that they would walk with boldness and confidence today, recognizing that you've taken care of everything in the end. Father, for the person that's afraid about the future and what's gonna happen with their job and what tomorrow may bring, God, I pray that they would be set free from that fear. God, that they would enter in with you. God, that you would hold them and give them rest and assure them that, you, that they are safe and secure in your hands. Father, for the person that's afraid and that needs to be set free from the fear of uh, the condemnation of their, their guilt and shame, Father, I pray that you would set them free, Lord, that no more, the enemy would have no more voice in their head saying you are guilty, you are guilty, you are guilty, God, that they would understand there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And then, Father, for the person who's never come and they've never known the man. God, I pray for that person right now, the person who's never known the Lord Jesus Christ. They've heard about the man. They didn't know that he was the son of God. They've never heard his name. For that person right now, God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would come to you in faith. And today they would, be, they would live, that they would be set free through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if that is you today, and you feel like God has, has been speaking to you this morning, he's been calling you into relationship with him, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. In the beginning, God created everything good. We came along and we messed it up by bringing sin and rebellion into the world. With our sin and rebellion, brought death and separation from God. But God, in his infinite love, he always had a plan, and he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live the sinless life that you and I could not live. And he willingly went to the cross and he bled, and he suffered, and he died, and he lived, and he died as a substitute for you and for me. And three days later, he walked out of that tomb alive, proving that he is who he says that he is, the Son of God, and that he alone has power over sin and death. And he did it all so that any and all who would simply come to him in genuine, repentant faith may have life now and for all of eternity. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to come and to And make this the day that you say, no more will I be running on my own. Father, would you come and be the king of my life? Paul's gonna say that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you, I wanna invite you to pray with me right now and just simply say this, Jesus, I believe that you alone are Lord. Jesus, I believe that you were crucified. You were dead and you were buried. And that three days later, you walked out of that tomb alive. And Jesus, I believe that you are the King of kings. I believe that you are the Lord of lords. And so today, Father, I'm asking that you would come into my life. I'm saying I want to give my life to you. And I'm asking that you would come, that you would forgive me of all of my sin, that you would come into my life today, that you would make me brand new. Church, the Bible assures us that if you prayed that prayer and you came to him with genuine, repentant faith today, recognizing that he is God and that you are not, then the Bible says that you have crossed over from death into life, that you've been given the right to be called a child of God, a son or daughter of the king adopted into his family, right? That the old things have passed away and the new things have come. If that is you, I want to encourage you to share with someone today what's taking place in your heart. Would you reach out to us? Would you let us know what's been taking place? But Father, we do love you, and I thank you for what you're doing here in this church body. Would you meet people where they are today? And God, would you set us free, all for the praise, all for the glory of your name. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.